0: Okay, so you have picked the best place on the face of the planet to be today at Liberty Church Holly Pond because we are going to be continuing a message that we started two weeks ago already uh, titled Financial Fitness. Y'all said it with me. Financial, Financial. Fitness. Y'all got to sound Southern Fitness. There you go. Financial Fitness Part 2. And so two weeks ago already we started this brand new sermon series And we really have been doing this for us to evaluate, engage, where I really, somebody said really, really am. Where I really financially am. Money matters to us, right? It's important. We need money. You need money to live. You need money to pay your bills. You need money for everything. God understands that you need money. Money matters to God also. Did you know that? The first step to stepping into financial freedom is you have to come to the revelation that your money ain't your money. Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? Your money is God's money. Did you know that? All the money that God blesses us with to take care of his children, God says he wants us to honor him with what he gives us. And so two weeks ago as we started this off, if you weren't here that week or you missed that message, get on our social media, get on our app, check that message out because we really talked about that first step. is coming that revelation that your money ain't your money and that it's God, God's. And we have to step into giving by faith and tithing week in and week out. And so if you missed that, get, get online, check it out. But today is going to be a little more of a practical message. God wants us to come to that revelation, understand that our money is, is God's money, and he wants to take us farther. And, and the, the point of having a good financial steadiness, a good financial life is not so that you can be rich. It's so that God can bless his children. And when God's children are blessed, guess what? His church prospers. And that's why he doesn't want you to be loaded down with debt, loaded down with stress. He wants you to be financially free, not so that you can be rich, but so that you can be blessed and bless others. Who believes Jesus is the king? The king above all kings, right? And so if our father's a king, what does that make you as a child of God? Royalty. And so why are so many Christians not, Living a royalty life because they're not trusting God with their finances. They're chasing money, not chasing Jesus. They're chasing dreams, not God's dreams. And we wonder why we're stressed out or loaded down with debt. And God says, I just want you to trust me so that you can prosper and so that my people can prosper. Amen. So look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21. We'll get started. This is our, excuse me, our foundational scripture that we use as we kick this off. And so verse 19, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moss eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. But instead store your treasures in where? In where? In heaven. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy, thieves cannot break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If you are following along in your Bible or on your app or on your outline, I want you to highlight, underline that last statement there. Verse 21 says, there your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. As we kick this off, we said as the way that we handle money, the way that we use money, the way that we spend our money, actually reveals the condition of our heart. It says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. You know, some of y'all donate more to McDonald's on the weekly than you do to the to Jesus Christ. Some of y'all donate more on the monthly to your streaming services than you do to LCHP. You got like 15, every streaming service known to man. And so if, if, if I'm doing all these things, and I can't give one cent to the kingdom of God, but Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. We can't be building our own kingdoms here in this place because at the end of the day, this place is going to pass away and heaven is going to remain. Heaven is going to remain. And so are you donating? Are you investing into your eternal home? Or are you just building your own kingdom here on earth? Right? Because we want to... We want to use money and serve God. We do not want to use God and serve money. God is not your personal genie. He wants us to serve him and simply use money. Because money is its not necessarily evil or good. It's, it's how people use it determines whether it's going to be used for good or for evil. And that reveals the condition of our hearts. How you use money reveals the condition of your heart. So look at that, that first uh, recap point. So as we started, we said this. We said, in order to be financially fit, we have to lose weight, get in shape, and build muscle. And if you want to start anything in life, the first step is always evaluating where I am. Where I am. If you look at your physical life, maybe some of us need to lose some weight, Right? I don't know, maybe some of us need to physically get in shape. You know, you can't just start, you just can't go to the gym and just say, okay, I'm going to start with running five miles every single day, right? Depending on how overweight you are, you're not going to be able to do that. You, you have to figure out, you have to ask, where am I? And so we are all over the financial spectrum. Some of us are doing amazing. Some of us haven't missed a tithe in one year, two years, three years, 20 years. We have... We have money saved for a rainy day. We have emergency funds. We have houses paid off. Some of us are covered up in debt. I struggle with my ties. I, I, I struggle with paying my bills. It doesn't matter wherever you are in the spectrum of your financial life, God's commandment is still the same for every one of us. He says, Honor me with what I've given you. Right? And the first step is I have to find out where. I am. So where are you today? Are you financially struggling? Are you honoring God with what he's already given you, that he gives you every week, or if you're biweekly paid, every two weeks? Do you have an emergency fund strictly for emergencies that when the car breaks down, that the money that you have saved there that you never touch fulfills its purpose or that emergency. Do you have three to six months of bills saved up in your bank account? Because this is how a child of God lives, because they're a good steward of what God has given them. Or are you just fly by the seat of your pants swiping that card, five, 10, 15 times a day. Not tracking, not looking at what God's blessing you with? Because we're all at different stages, we have to lose weight. And wherever you are, the first step is we have to begin to cut some of the fat. And that fat is debt. So look at that next point. We lose financial weight by getting out of debt. The weight of debt, excuse me, ooh, excuse me creates an unhealthy life and it affects your financial, physical, relational, and spiritual well-being god does not want his children in debt now i know this day and age it's kind of sad because in the country we live in as you graduate high school it's almost like the norm you got to go ahead and get a loan like congratulations you graduated here now you need a loan to go to school you need a loan for a car you need a loan right and so you can some some people will preach no debt okay And that's the goal, to have no debt. But to get started, sometimes you have to get, you got to get a little debt for a car. If you can pay for cash, pay in cash. But you do not want debt because debt restricts you. It binds you. It stresses you out. And so what happens is that little bit of debt begins to compile, and now you have an unmanageable amount of debt. And that debt kills, steals, and destroys and touches everything in your life. It touches you relationally. It touches your ministry because if you are so focused and stressed out about how you're going to pay the bills, how are you going to be able to walk in right relationship with those around you? If you're stressed out about what money's coming in or what money you don't have, you're not going to be able to stand up here if you have a ministry or if you're on stage or whatever you do for the church to be able to minister in power and in truth because you're going to mentally be somewhere else. God does not want his children weighed down with that. They say statistically the number one cause, and I, we don't use this word in our, in our house, but I'm going to go ahead and use it just for today. We call it the D word. But the number one uh, cause of divorce among couples today is what? Money. Because of financial stress and debt that it brings. The saddest thing in the world. People getting married today. What do they start their marriage out as? We're going to borrow $50,000 for a wedding. That is not wise. You are starting your brand new life, your brand new marriage with your spouse out in debt. And then you're combining the debt that you already had before you got married to somebody else. And now you're conjoining that debt. Right? So never borrow money without counsel, without seeking God, without asking the Holy Spirit. Right? And asking God, I need a vision for my finances. I need your help, God. To be able to steward what you give me and to track and to see what's coming in and what's going out and how I can begin to get on top and get out from underneath this debt. All right, look at Proverbs 2:7. It says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Man, no truer statement's ever been spoken. The 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 Borrower is slave to the lender, and that's that pressure, that's that burden, that's that weight that God does not want you to have. Look back at the Israelites in Genesis and Exodus, they were literally slaves in bondage, working for the Egyptians. In a roundabout way, of financially speaking, a lot of people are living that type of slave mentality. You get paid on Friday, and you're so, you're so caught up in all this debt, you get to keep about $20 worth. You are working for the man. Instead of living for the man, come on, somebody. You're working for the man. And it's stealing, killing, and destroying the real work that God wants to do in your life. It's hurting your family. It's robbing you of your peace. It's robbing you of your authority in Jesus' name. And God wants to liberate us from that. So are you, it says, the rich rules over the poor. And so are you ruling over your finances? Or are your finances ruling you? Do you know Jesus gave you the authority? You the authority to tell your money where to go. So are you telling your money where to go? Or is your money telling you where to go? You know what, 6 o'clock, I think I'm going to get me an ice cream at Dairy Queen. After I already spent $30 on breakfast and lunch, you know what, I need a pack of cigarettes. My third pack today. $5 a piece. Five times three is 15. 15 times seven is what? Somebody help me. I ain't a math whiz. How much? 105 times four. A month. On cigarettes that are killing you. But I can't afford to tithe. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Where your heart, where your where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Is it gonna be easy? I know God sent us somebody called the helper, the Holy Spirit to help us and lead us and guide us, right? 1 Timothy 6.10. This is what I want you to get. It says, for the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money is independent. It's not evil. It's not good. It's the love of money that, that bears the fruit of its goodness or its evilness, right? For which have strayed from the faith of greediness and pierced themselves, underline that, pierced themselves with many sorrows. If you are are not serving God and simply using money, and you are are serving mammon, the spirit of money, and using God as your personal genie, you are going to transgress yourself. You are going to pierce yourselves with many sorrows, tests, and trials, and you're going to be stressed out. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to have any freedom, and it's because you're not doing it God's way. And so, Money. Let's do our best Charles Barkley. Who knows who Charles Barkley is? Anybody? Anybody? You better know John Wesley. He's at Auburn. Let's do our best Charles Barkley. Say this with me. Money is a terrible it master. Money is a terrible master master. It wants to lord over you. It wants to master you. There will never be enough money in the world to satisfy our greedy hearts, our greedy pride, our greedy lives, our greedy whatever. You fill in the blank. The only thing that can satisfy is the love of God in here, the peace of God in here. And when you realize you have the power and you have the authority given to you by Jesus Christ, you can begin to move and be directed by the Spirit of God, and take authority over your finances. And so it says, it says there in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money. And so we have to find out, what do I love more? Do I love Jesus, or do I love my paycheck? What do I love more? If your joy is directly related to how much money you have in your bank account, there's something wrong with your heart. Man, I got a lot of overtime last week, man. I'm good. Bills are paid. I can go out to eat, go see the new Batman movie. Got money stored in the bank. Next week, I don't get paid. Maybe I had a bad week. My joy is directly related to the amount of money I have in a bank account. Something is wrong in my heart. I should have peace no matter how much money I got. Y'all remember the story of the woman that gave the only couple cents she had? And Jesus and his disciples were standing by watching and said, that woman is blessed in the kingdom of God because she gave everything that she had she loved god she had peace and who her god was right so when your love of god trumps your love of money you simply become a steward who knows what a steward is somebody who is who knows their flock somebody who is checking the deposits somebody that is checking the the, the balances, checking the debits, somebody who knows their flocks. And stewards make good decisions. In 1 Timothy 6.10, what does it say at the end? Greediness and pierce themselves with many sorrows. Stewards will not pierce themselves with many sorrows because they're making good decisions. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is probably leading and guiding their financial decisions. Come on, Somebody. Right, look at that next point. And so most financial stress, we're talking about debt, is directly related to debt, but it's rooted in unmanageable debt. When it's gotten so high, when I made so many bad choices, when I borrowed on this to pay for this, to borrow on this, to finance the new furniture I got. Y'all don't finance furniture. Do not finance furniture. Right. Live like nobody today so that tomorrow you can live like nobody, right? You make sacrifices today so that tomorrow you can live in in financial peace and freedom, right? And so it says debt is a curse that enslaves us and keeps us in bondage. That's exactly what happens. Unmanageable debt happens when you've stopped trusting God with your finances, when you've stopped following and trusting God with the money that he's given you, unmanageable debt, Happens, And I can make you a promise. I don't make a whole lot of promises on Sunday mornings. But one promise I can make you is this. If you trust and follow God with your financial life, you will not have any unmanageable debt. Why can I promise you that? Because if you're trusting him and the helper of the Holy Spirit, you're going to make wise decisions. You can tell yourself, no, I don't need that. No, we're going to wait and pay cash for that. No, devil, I'm not going to compare my life to the Joneses across the street. They got a brand new Jeep. I don't need a Jeep. Gas is $4,000 a a gallon. I don't need a Jeep, Lord. Any Jeep folks in the house? If you do raise your hand, I want to do something special for you. Oh, I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) Stretch his finances, Lord, the... the, uh, not the Creels. Peyton and Drew are not here. Jessica's here. They ain't here today. Pray, pray for the banisters, right? And so, but if you follow God and trust God with your finances, you'll make wise decisions. I can promise you. I can promise that you'll do that. And there's only one part in this whole Bible, in all of God's Word, where God says, Test me. He never says, Test my love, test my faithfulness, test my trust. In Malachi 3.10, he says, bring the tithe into my storehouse so that my house will have food, right? And if you don't believe me, test me, try me with the tithe, and I'll prove to you my faithfulness, my goodness. That I, when you give, it'll be given unto you. Press down, shaken, running over. Oh, you'll like that, don't you? Press down, shaken, running over. I want some of that good, good. Somebody say good, good in my life. But before he could get the good, good, it says you must first... Somebody reads their Bible. I said, at first, it says you must first give. give. If you don't give, you don't get the good good, the pressed down, the shaking together, the running over. You don't get that because you didn't first give. Somebody's going to step into giving in Jesus' name because you give, you get what you give. Look at Deuteronomy 28, 12. And I'm actually going through this book right now in my quiet time, and you know, we serve the same God of yesterday, today, and forever, tomorrow, right? So this is the same God. I know a lot of people are like, well, that's Old Testament. Ah, that's New Testament. No, it's the same God, right? There's a brand new song by Elevation Church titled, Same God. And so it's the same God. We serve the same God. And I want you to see that you're a child of God and what God says, what his promise says about us. It, it might kind of blow you away a little bit. Look at verse 12. It says, the Lord will open up his good treasury the heavens, to give you rain in your land and the season and to bless all the work of your hands so that you shall not lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. God wants you to be the head, not the tail. He doesn't want you to be the borrower. He actually wants you to be the lender. He wants you to be the one to lend, not so that somebody can pay you back, but because when you're blessed, you know that, come on, somebody, and you want to bless others, God's original plan and purpose for the nation of Israel, and Israel is now you and me because we're children of God grafted in by the blood of Jesus Christ. He calls you to be the head, the lender in Jesus' name. The lender in Jesus' name. That's his purpose and that's his plan for you. Not so that we can be rich, right? not so that I can build Ian's kingdom, but so that I can can have a healthy family, I can have a healthy ministry, a healthy church, and I can grow God's kingdom until he calls me home right? God intends you to be the lender. He wants you to be able to, this is the thing, he wants you to be able to keep what you have and bless others. Look at that next point. He wants you to be able to keep as much of your paycheck as you can. Because you know what? It's not what you get paid that is actually yours. It's what you own of that paycheck that is, that is actually yours. Look at that point. It says, we are not rich or poor based on our income, how much money you bring home. Okay, But we're rich or poor based on how much of our income we own. (laughs) How much of that income you own. If we owe it, we don't own it. I like that. If you owe it, you don't own it. God says that the tithe is his. Who knows what that means? Tithe literally means 10%. If you bring home $500 every week, What is God's? 50 bucks on the top. He don't want your leftovers. It don't take faith to give leftovers. He wants you to pre-decide I'm giving this no matter what my bills look like. So now you have how much left? 450. So you have 450 to figure out how much I need for my rent or my house or my electric or whatever's due that week, right? You cut that off. Then you're left with what? Let's say. Somebody's in debt in Jesus' name, or you got a big old house, or drive a Jeep. Let's say you got $100 left. You got to make some decisions. Is that your money, just scot-free? I'm going to go out to eat. I'm going to smoke cigarettes. I'm going to drink three Cokes a day. I'm going to go to the movies this weekend. No, you better be putting something for a rainy day. You got an emergency fund. We said the beginning is I got to find out where I am. If you don't have an emergency fund, that's step one need $1,000 put away that is, you never touch, you never borrow from, is there for emergencies. If you have that established, your next step is you need to start saving for three to six months of your bills, how much it all adds up to. So if you lose your job, if World War III breaks out, that's very possible. Do you have enough money to live off of what you've put away? And the first step of all that is Giving to God what is His, because if you rob God of His tithe, you ain't robbing from Liberty Church, you ain't robbing for Pastor Ian, for Pastor Keith, you are robbing from God. And hey, we have been tithing ever since we've been married, a couple years before that we were dating, we've both been tithing, and I have never not had enough, because my God has unlimited resources, amen, He has unlimited resources, And when you trust God with the tithe, He blesses you. Right. So trust God with the tithe. No matter how much money you have, you got to know that you are blessed because Jesus Christ paid the penalty. If you have a dollar in your bank account, if you have a thousand dollars in your bank account, it doesn't matter. You are spiritually rich. You're spiritually rich. Because I'm spiritually rich, God wants to manifest that spiritual richness, righteousness that ain't mine. It's his to manifest into my physical life, my financial life, right? The less debt you have, the more income you get to keep. The less debt you have, the more income you get to keep. Look at uh, Proverbs 12, 24. It says, the hand of the diligent, I love that word, will rule. But the lazy man will be put to forced labor. I love that word diligence. Diligence goes right hand in hand with being a good steward. Diligence is knowing. I am paying attention to what God has given me, what's coming in, what's going out. I'm paying attention to the vision of God that he has over my life. The God-sized dream that he has for my life. I'm going to do whatever I can to honor God. Honor God with what he's given me and have a plan. Have his plan. Diligence is knowing. It says the hand of the diligent will rule. We should be diligent. We should know the importance, the value of the kingdom of God, right? Who's been born again? Anybody? Who's been redeemed, cleansed by the blood of the lamb, set free? Right? That's good news. And if so I should be diligent with the kingdom of God because I know how valuable it is. We should be diligent because we know what we're doing has, you can't even place a a price on it, right? You can't even place a price tag on that freedom that came from Jesus Christ on Calvary. That freedom that happened in your heart. That freedom that happened in your mind. You can't place a price tag on that. So if you can't place a a price tag on that, why would you rob God of the tithe? I thought it was valuable. Then why can't I step into faithful giving? Is it my heart? Is it my debt? Is it both? Is it unfaithfulness? Is it doubt? Probably all those things. God says, be diligent. If you're diligent, you'll rule. If you're diligent, you'll rule over your finances. If you're diligent, your family will respect you. If you're diligent, you'll be loved. If you're diligent, you'll be accepted. If you're diligent, I'll make you a leader. If you're diligent, I'll take you farther. If you're diligent, you can pray for more and actually get it. If you're not being faithful with what you already have, why? Don't make more your prayer. I'm going to go ahead and throw myself on the train tracks. This year during the fast, the Lord really stirred me up. And I've been praying, God, send us, since COVID, our attendance has kind of been up and down. And I want to see these seats filled up. We look pretty good today. But I, I was just praying, God, send us more people. God, send us more people shaking down, running over, coming over, right? pressed down, shaking the other, send us people as far away from me. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Why should I send you more? Are you being faithful with the sheep that you already, somebody say already, have? And I felt checking my spirit. I, I felt like we limped across the finish line in 2021. We limped across the finish line, man. And that starts and stops with me as the pastor. And so the Lord's been stirring me up, man. I've been doing my best to love on every single person, every single sheep that the Lord has brought into my life. The leaders, the people that come every Sunday. I feel like the Lord showed me I had a lot of loose ends. Some of us have a lot of loose ends, financially speaking. God says, tighten up the ship. Stop praying for more money. How shall of a prayer is that? God, send me more money. He wants a deeper relationship with you than that. Since we've been tithing, me and Jessica have never had to pray for more money. Praise God. Be faithful with what you have before you ask for more. Because you're probably already blessed and you just don't even know it. Right? We're already blessed and we just don't even know it. Look at that next point. So how do we get in shape? Pastor Ian, how do I tighten my ship? I hear what you're saying. I want to be a faithful giver. I want to be a diligent I'm going to give you the most spiritual word that you ever heard in church. You need a budget. Doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy? Most spiritual word you ever heard. You know, we serve a practical God. And He wants us to get started. And it's just simply writing it out. It's how I become a good steward, it's how I know my flocks, right? We need to change our lifestyle and we need a budget. We have to rule over our money or the lack of money is going to rule over us. Making money doesn't make you rich, but managing that money makes you blessed. Somebody say blessed. How you manage that money makes you blessed. The point of living for God is not to be rich, but the point is to know God, to be loved by God, accepted by God. The point is to be a blessed child of God so that you can share what I just told you to other people. Any and every person that will ever stop, listen to you. Because a blessed man knows he's blessed. A blessed woman knows she's blessed. They know they're blessed because they know who their God is. And a blessed man is simply, the Lord showed me this, a blessed man or a blessed woman is simply a manager for God. Have you ever thought of it like that? A blessed child of God is a good manager with the kingdom of God. A blessed manager takes care of what God gives them. A pastor is nothing but a manager. It manages people. It manages circumstances. It manages problems. It it manages technology. It manages scheduling. It manages everything. If you're in ministry, you're a manager. Are you being a good manager with the kingdom of God? I'll become a good manager when I become a good budgeter. God transforms you into a child of God. He wants to transform you into a good manager because he wants to be able to give you more. And you got to prove your faithfulness because he who is faithful with little will get more. And so if I'm faithful with little, he'll give me more. And how do I be faithful with little? I manage what he's given me. And I manage what he's given me by using a budget. You know, you can budget your time. Did you know that? Some of y'all need to do that. Some of y'all maybe have said, you know what, I ain't got time to spend 10 minutes with God every morning. Yeah, you do. You ain't managing the time God's gave you. You ain't budgeting the time God's gave you. You got to carve out the time. It's not just going to happen. Same with our money. I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this. You got to knock one debt out at a time. You start with the smallest one. You knock it out, throw everything that you can at it. Then you snowball it. You work on the next one and then the next one. Then the next one, you have to manage and budget the resources that God has given you already. That He's given you already. Right? Look at Proverbs 27 23 through 24. I love this scripture. I've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but it says, Know, excuse me, the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. Riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. Riches don't last forever. Verse twenty-three. Know the state of your flocks. Back in the day, their flocks was their everything. It was their livelihood, is how they made money. They they bartered and traded. Their flocks was their money. If it was sheep, they're selling the furs. If it's if it's cows, they're selling the meat. If it's if it's whatever, and God took the tithe. Off of them from their herds. He said, bring the best without defect. The, the, the firstborn of every, every uh, animal that they would sacrifice, whether it was a bull or a cow or a lamb, you had to bring the best first as a sacrifice, as the tithe. And so their flocks were everything. And it says, know the state of your flocks. Modern-day Christianity, for us, we have to know the state of our bank accounts. You have to know the state of your debts. You have to know the state of what God's given you. The Lord showed me as I shared with you about praying for more people. i got to know the state of my flocks, of my sheep. Are they in emotional distress? Do they need me to just love on them? Do they need me to to come and maybe visit them at their home? I, I need to know the state of my flocks. What is the state of your flocks today? Do you have enough? Is it never enough? Do you feel like you're a Maybe a mouse, or not a mouse, a, a hamstring, one of those little, uh, what are those things called? The exercise, what does it call, draw? Yeah, exercise, when they just, they're running, 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 they ain't going nowhere. Is that your life today? Is that what you feel like? You can get off it in Jesus' name. You can get off it in Jesus' name. You can. You can. Look at that last point. We're going to wrap up. So we've got to start with the budget. It says budgeting gives you permission to spend money. It empowers you to save, invest, and give generously. A financial goal without a budget is a fantasy. A financial goal without a budget is a fantasy that will never become reality. Your budget is your game plan. Your budget is your game plan. And without a plan, you don't have a vision. If you don't have a plan, if you don't have a game plan, if you don't have a vision, you're not going to succeed. Not only are you not going to succeed, the enemy's probably going to have his way with you. And ultimately, you're going to die. You need a game plan for your financial life, for your financial livelihood. Look at Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. If my budget's my game plan and I need a plan to give me a vision, you need a vision because God says. It says, well, there's no vision, the people. I said, he said, well, there's no vision, the people. Do you have a vision? Do you have a plan? Do you know the state of your flocks? Guys, we need a divine plan. We need a divine vision from God for our lives for our finances for our ministries for our kids our grandkids who wants a divine plan today? a couple of you a couple of you let's pray together Lord so we thank you for today and I thank you for who you are I thank you that you do have a plan I thank you that you're not caught off guard I thank you that no one's too far away to be saved. I thank you that we can have, we can't go be so far in debt that we can't be liberated, that we can't be set free because of the cross, Jesus. You made the forever statement that says, yes, I can. Yes, I will. And yes, I am the same. All it takes is faith. Faith in God. God, we want to trust you by faith with the money that you give us. We don't want to serve money and use you, God. We want to serve you and simply use money for good, in Jesus' name, for good and not for evil. Show us where our heart's at, God. Is my heart in the kingdom of God? Have I invested in my eternal home? God, am I robbing from you every single week, every single month? We want to be a blessed people so that we can bless people, in Jesus' name last thing I want to do is, if if you're here and you are already born again, you know the Lord is your personal Savior, right now I want you to pray for the lost, please. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray for the lost right now, please. We all know somebody lost. The thing I want to do is, if you're here visiting our sanctuary, you're watching us online today, I know I've been talking about money all day. That has nothing compared to the value of your soul. And if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, I want to change that right now. I want to change that today. I don't want you to leave here the same. I want you to leave here with hope. I want you to leave here with a hope knowing that you and God are good. If you're here or watching us online and you feel like you're not in a good place or you, you, you feel like you don't know God, the, the, the answer is you probably don't. It's because you're not trusting God with your life. And if you want to do that today, I want to change that. Pastor Jessica shared today, we lost somebody in our church this week a healthy man you had no idea he was even sick. He was dead. He was admitted to the hospital and 3 days later he is dead. But well, he's alive in Jesus Christ right now, praise God. But I just share that because life is but a vapor. You may say, you know, what? I'll get right with God next week. I'll get right with God next month. I'll get right with God later this afternoon. Can you promise me that that time's going to come? If God is speaking to you right now, Let's take advantage of what he's doing right now. So if you want to say yes to God right now, I want you to do something for me. I want you to show me that you've got his message. I want you to stand up right now all over this place. If you fear the spirit of God tugging on your heart right now, if he's speaking, if he's dealing with your heart, that means you're blessed. That means you hear the truth of God. And I want you to be ashamed of that. Stand up. he died on a cross for you, the least you can do is stand for him. If you want to do that in the sanctuary, if you're watching online, you're making that decision, go ahead and say that. Put that in the chat for us. Say, I am making that decision. I am saying that prayer right now. Give you a few more seconds. A few more seconds. Change your life forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, no one is standing in our sanctuary, but somebody could be making a decision watching this online. So I want to lead us all in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me, loud and proud. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We trust you, and we thank you for your son. Right now, we accept your son. We believe in Jesus Christ, and we confess that he is Lord over my life. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sins. Redeem my future. Send your Holy Spirit to help me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good stuff. Well, anybody glad you came to church today? Yeah, a couple of you. Praise God. We're glad you came too, okay? So we love you. Uh, Y'all are dismissed. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Y'all bring somebody to church now.